Section 3 of Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch by Wilhelm Meinhold. Translated by Lucy Duff Gordon. The Eighth Chapter how our need waxed sorer and sorer, and how I sent old Ilsa with another letter to Pudgla, and how heavy a misfortune this brought upon me. Next day, when I had buried the poor corpses amid the lamentations of the whole village, by the same token that they were all buried under where the lime-tree overhangs the wall, I heard with many sighs that neither the sea nor the Achterwater would yield anything. It was now ten days since the poor people had caught a single fish. I therefore went out into the field, musing how the wrath of the just God might be turned from us, seeing that the cruel winter was now at hand, and neither corn, apples, fish, nor flesh could be found in the village, nor even throughout all the parish. There was indeed plenty of game in the forests of Kasarov and Eucharitz, but the old forest ranger, Zabel Nering, had died last year of the plague, and there was no new one in his place. Nor was there a musket, nor a grain of powder to be found in all the parish. The enemy had robbed and broken everything. We were therefore forced, day after day, to see how the stags and the roes, the hares and the wild boars, etc., ran past us, when we would so gladly have had them in our bellies, but had no means of getting at them, for they were too cunning to let themselves be caught in pitfalls. Nevertheless, Klaus Peer succeeded in trapping a roe, and gave me a piece of it, for which may God reward him. Item of domestic cattle there was not a head left, neither was there a dog nor a cat which the people had not either eaten in their extreme hunger, or knocked on the head, or drowned long since. Albeit old farmer Posh still owned two cows. Item, an old man in Eucharitz was said to have one little pig. This was all. Thus, then, nearly all the people lived on blackberries and other wild fruits, the which also soon grew to be scarce, as may easily be guessed. Besides all this, a boy of fourteen was missing, old Laban, his son, and was never more heard of, so that I shrewdly think that the wolves devoured him. And now let any Christian judge by his own heart in what sorrow and heaviness I took my staff in my hand, seeing that my child fell away like a shadow from pinching hunger, although I myself, being old, did not, by the help of God's mercy, find any great failing in my strength. While I thus went continually weeping before the Lord, on the way to Eucharitz, I fell in with an old beggar with his wallet, sitting on a stone and eating a piece of God's rare gift, to wit, a bit of bread. Then truly did my poor mouth so fill with water that I was forced to bow my head and let it run upon the earth before I could ask, Who art thou? And whence comest thou, seeing that thou hast bread? Whereupon he answered that he was a poor man of Bannaman, from whom the enemy had taken all, and as he had heard that the Lyperwinkel had long been in peace, he had travelled thither to beg. I straightway answered him, O poor beggar man, spare to me a sorrowful servant of Christ, who is even poorer than thyself, one little slice of bread for his wretched child. For thou must know that I am the pastor of this village, and that my daughter is dying of hunger. 
I beseech thee, by the living God, not to let me depart without taking pity on me, as pity also hath been shown to thee. But the beggar man would give me none, saying that he himself had a wife and four children, who were likewise staggering towards death's door, under the bitter pangs of hunger, that the famine was sorer far and banaban than here, where we still had berries, whether I had not heard that but a few days ago a woman, he told me her name, but horror made me forget it, had there killed her own child and devoured it from hunger, that he could not therefore help me, and I might go to the Leiperwinkel myself. I was horror-stricken at his tale, as is easy to guess, for we in our own trouble had not yet heard of it, there being little or no traffic between one village and another, and thinking on Jerusalem, and sheer despairing because the Lord had visited us, as of old that ungodly city, although we had not betrayed or crucified him, I almost forgot all my necessities, and took my staff in my hand to depart. But I had not gone more than a few yards when the beggar called me to stop, and when I turned myself round he came towards me with a good hunch of the bread which he had taken out of his wallet, and said, There, but pray for me also, so that I may reach my home, for if on the road they smell that I have bread, my own brother would strike me dead, I believe. This I promised with joy, and instantly turned back to take to my child the gift hidden in my pocket. And behold, when I came to the road which leads to Loden, I could scarce trust my eyes, before I had overlooked it in my distress, when I saw my glebe, which could produce seven bushels, ploughed, sown, and in stalk. The blessed crop of rye had already shot lustily out of the earth a finger's length in height. I could not choose but think that the evil run had deceived me with a false show, Yet, however hard I rubbed my eyes, rye it was, and rye it remained. And seeing that the old Posh, his piece of land which joined mine, was in like manner sown, and that the blades had shot up to the same height, I soon guessed that the good fellow had done this deed, seeing that all the other land lay waste. Wherefore, I readily forgave him for not knowing the morning prayer, and thanking the Lord for so much love for my flock, and earnestly beseeching him to grant me strength and faith to bear with them steadfastly and patiently all the troubles and adversities which it might please him henceforward to lay upon us, according to his divine pleasure, I ran rather than walked back into the village to old Posh his farm, where I found him just about to kill his cow, which he was slaughtering from grim hunger. God bless thee, said I, worthy friend, for sowing my field. How shall I reward thee? But the old man answered, Let that be, and do you pray for us. And when I gladly promised this, and asked him how he had kept his corn safe from the savage enemy, he told me that he had hidden it secretly in the caves of the Streckelberg, but that now all his store was used up. Meanwhile he cut a fine large piece of meat from the top of the loin, and said, There is something for you, and when that is gone you can come again for more. As I was about to go with many thanks, his little Mary, a child nearly seven years old, the same who had said the gratias on the Streckelberg, seized me by the hand and wanted to go to school to my daughter, for since my custos, as above mentioned, departed this life in the plague, she had to teach the few little ones there were in the village. This, however, had been long abandoned. I could not therefore deny her, although I feared that my child would share her bread with her, seeing that she dearly loved the little maid, who was her godchild. And so indeed it happened, for when the child saw me take out the bread, she shrieked for joy and began to scramble up on the bench. Thus she also got a piece of the slice, our maid got another, and my child put the third piece into her own mouth, as I wished for none, 
but said that I felt no signs of hunger and would wait until the meat was boiled, the which I now threw upon the bench. It was a goodly sight to see the joy which my poor child felt when I then also told her about the rye. She fell upon my neck, wept, sobbed, then took the little one up in her arms, danced about the room with her, and recited, as she was wont, all manner of Latin verses, which she knew by heart. Then she would prepare a right good supper for us, as a little salt was still left in the bottom of a barrel of meat which the imperialists had broken up. I let her take her own way, and having scraped some soot from the chimney and mixed it with water, I tore a blank leaf out of Virgilus, and wrote to the pastor Lepensis, his reverence Abraham Tibertius, praying that for God his sake he would take our necessities to heart and would exhort his parishioners to save us from dying of grim hunger and charitably to spare us some meat and drink according as the all-merciful god had still left some to them seeing that a beggar had told me that they had long been in peace from the terrible enemy i knew not however wherewithal to seal the letter until i found in the church a little wax still sticking to a wooden altar candlestick which the imperialists had not thought it worth their while to steal for they had only taken the brass ones. I sent three fellows in a boat with Heinrich Seden, the churchwarden, with this letter to Lipa. First, however, I asked my old Ilsa, who was born in Lipa, whether she would not rather return home, seeing how matters stood, and that I, for the present at least, could not give her a stiver of her wages. Mark that she had already saved up a small sum, seeing that she had lived in my service about twenty years, but the soldiers had taken it all. Howbeit, I could nowise persuade her to this, but she wept bitterly and besought me only to let her stay with the good damsel whom she had rocked in her cradle. She would cheerfully hunger with us if needs must be, so that she were not turned away. Whereupon I yielded to her, and the others went alone. Meanwhile, the broth was ready, but scarce had we said the gratias, and were about to begin our meal, when all the children of the village, seven in number, came to the door and wanted bread as they had heard we had some from my daughter and her little godchild. Her heart again melted, and notwithstanding I besought her to harden herself against them, she comforted me with a message to Lipa, and poured out for each child a portion of broth on a wooden platter, for these also had been despised by the enemy, and put into their little hands a bit of meat, so that all our store was eaten up at once. We were therefore left fasting next morning till towards midday when the whole village gathered together in a meadow on the banks of the river to see the boat return. But God be merciful to us, we had cherished vain hopes. Six loaves and a sheep, item, a quarter of apples, was all they had brought. His reverence, Abraham Tibertius, wrote to me that after the cry of their wealth had spread throughout the island, so many beggars had flocked thither that it was impossible to be just to all, seeing that they themselves did not know how it might fare with them in these heavy, troublous times. Meanwhile, he would see whether he could raise any more. I therefore, with many sighs, had the small pittance carried to the manse, and though two loaves were, as Pastor Lipnesis said in his letter, for me alone, I gave them up to be shared among all alike whereat we were all content save Seddon, his squint-eyed wife, who would have had somewhat extra on the score of her husband's journey, which, however, as may be easily guessed, she did not get, wherefore she again muttered certain words between her teeth as she went away, which, however, no one understood. Truly, she was an ill woman, 
and not to be moved by the word of God. Anyone may judge for himself that such a store could not last long, and as all my parishioners felt an ardent longing after spiritual food, and as I and the church wardens could only get together about sixteen farthings in the whole parish, which was not enough to buy bread and wine, the thought struck me once more to inform my lord the sheriff of our need. With how heavy a heart I did this may be easily guessed, but necessity knows no law. I therefore tore the last blank leaf out of Virgilius, and begged that, for the sake of the Holy Trinity, his lordship would mercifully consider mine own distress and that of the whole parish, and bestow a little money to enable me to administer the holy sacrament for the comfort of afflicted souls. Also, if possible, to buy a cup, were it only of tin, since the enemy had plundered us of ours, and I should otherwise be forced to consecrate the sacred elements in an earthen vessel. Item, I besought him to have pity on our bodily wants, and at last to send me the first fruits which had stood over for so many years, that I did not want it for myself alone, but would willingly share it with my parishioners until such time as God in his mercy should give us more. Here a huge blot fell upon my paper, for the windows being boarded up, the room was dark, and but little light came through two small panes of glass which I had broken out of the church and stuck in between the boards. This perhaps was the reason why I did not see better. However, as I could not anywhere get another piece of paper, I let it pass, and ordered the maid, whom I sent with a letter to Pudgla, to excuse the same to his lordship the sheriff, the which she promised to do, seeing that I could not add a word more on the paper as it was written all over. I then sealed it as I had done before. But the poor creature came back trembling for fear, and bitterly weeping, and said that his lordship had kicked her out of the castle gate, and had threatened to set her in the stocks if she ever came before him again. Did the parson think that he was as free with his money as I seemed to be with my ink? I surely had water enough to celebrate the Lord's Supper wherewithal. For if the Son of God had once changed the water into wine, he could surely do the like again. If I had no cup, I might water my flock out of a bucket, as he did himself. With many more blasphemies, such as he afterwards wrote to me, and by which, as may easily be guessed, I was filled with horror, touching the first fruits, as she told me he had said nothing at all. In such great spiritual and bodily need, the blessed Sunday came round, when nearly all the congregation would have come to the Lord's table, but could not. I therefore spoke on the words of St. Augustine, Crede et Manducasti, and represented that the blame was not mine, and truly told what had happened to my poor maid at Pudgla, passing over much in silence, and only praying God to awaken the hearts of magistrates for our good. Peradventure I may have spoken more harshly than I meant. I know not, only that I spoke that which is in my heart. At the end I made all the congregation stay on their knees for nearly an hour, and call upon the Lord for his holy sacrament. Item, for the relief of their bodily wants, as had been done every Sunday, and at all the daily prayers I had been used to read ever since the heavy time of the plague. Last of all I led the glorious hymn, When in Greatest Need We Be, which was no sooner finished than my new churchwarden, Klaus Bulk of Eucharitz, who had formerly been a groom with his lordship, and whom he had now put into a farm, ran off to Pudgla, and told him all that had taken place in the church. Whereat his lordship was greatly angered, insomuch that he summoned the whole parish, which still numbered about 150 souls, without counting the children, and dictated ad protocolum whatsoever they could remember of the sermon, seeing that he meant to inform his princely grace, the Duke of Pomerania, of the blasphemous lies which I had vomited against him, 
and which must sorely offend every Christian heart. Item, what an avaricious wretch I must be to be always wanting something of him, and to be daily, so to say, pestering him in these hard times with my filthy letters, when he had not enough to eat himself. This, he said, should break the parson his neck, since his princely grace did all that he asked of him, and that no one in the parish need give me anything more but only let me go my ways. He would soon take care that they should have quite a different sort of parson from what I was. Now I would like to see the man who could make up his mind to come into the midst of such wretchedness at all. This news was brought to me in the self-same night and gave me a terrible fright, as I now saw that I should not have a gracious master in his lordship, but should all the time of my miserable life, even if I could anyhow support it, find in him an ungracious lord. But I soon felt some comfort when Chim Kruger from Eucharitz, who brought me the news, took a little bit of his sucking pig out of his pocket and gave it to me. Meanwhile, old Posh came in and said the same, and likewise brought me a piece of his old cow. Item, my other warden, Heinrich Seddon, with a slice of bread and a fish which he had taken in his net, all saying they wished for no better priest than me, and that I was only to pray to the merciful Lord to bestow more upon them, whereupon I should want for nothing. Meanwhile I must be quiet and not betray them. All this I promised, and my daughter Mary took the blessed gifts of God off the table and carried them into the inner chamber. But alas, next morning when she would have put the meat into the cauldron, it was all gone. I know not who prepared this new sorrow for me, but much believe it was Heinrich Seddon, his wicked wife, seeing he can never hold his tongue, and most likely told her everything. Moreover, Posh, his little daughter, saw that she had meat in her pot next day. Item, that she had quarreled with her husband and had flung the fishboard at him, whereon some fresh fish scales were sticking. She had, however, presently recollected herself when she saw the child. Shame on thee, thou old witch, it is true enough, I dare say. Hereupon naught was left us but to feed our poor souls with the word of God. But even our souls were so cast down that they couldn't receive naught any more than our bellies. My poor child, especially, from day to day, grew paler, grayer, and yellower, and always threw up all her food, seeing she ate it without salt or bread. I'd long wondered that the bread from Lipa was not yet done, but that every day at dinner I still had a morsel. I had often asked, whence comes all this blessed bread? I believe, after all, you save the whole for me and take none for yourself or the maid. But they both lifted to their mouths a piece of fir-tree bark, which they had cut to look like bread, and laid by their plates. And as the room was dark, I did not find out their deceit, but thought that they, too, were eating bread. But at last the maid told me of it, so that I should allow it no longer, as my daughter would not listen to her. It is not hard to guess how my heart was wrung when I saw my poor child lying on her bed of moss, struggling with grim hunger. But things were to go yet harder with me, for the Lord in his anger would break me in pieces like a potter's vessel. For behold, on the evening of the same day, old Posh came running to me, complaining that all his and my corn in the field had been pulled up and miserably destroyed, and that it must have been done by Satan himself, as there was not a trace of either oxen or horses. At these words, my poor child screamed aloud and fainted. I would have run to help her, but could not reach her bed, and fell on the ground myself for bitter grief. The loud cries of the maid and old Posh soon brought us both to our senses. But I could not rise from the ground alone, for the Lord had bruised all my bones. I besought them, therefore, when they would have helped me, to leave me where I was. 
when they would not, I cried out that I must again fall on the ground to pray, and begged them all, save my daughter, to depart out of the room. This they did, but the prayer would not come. I fell into heavy doubting and despair, and murmured against the Lord that he plagued me more sorely than Lazarus or Job. Wretch that I was, I cried, thou didst leave to Lazarus at least the crumbs and the pitiful dogs, but to me thou hast left nothing, and I myself am less in thy sight than even a dog. And Job thou didst not afflict until thou hadst mercifully taken away his children, but to me thou hast left my poor little daughter, that her torments may increase mine own a thousandfold. Behold, then, I can only pray that thou wilt take her from the earth, so that my gray head may gladly follow her to the grave. Woe is me, ruthless father, what have I done? I have eaten bread and suffered my child to hunger. O Lord Jesu, who hast said, What man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Behold, I am that man. Behold, I am that ruthless father. I have eaten bread and given wood to my child. Punish me, I will bear it and lie still. O righteous Jesu, I have eaten bread and given wood to my child. As I did not speak, but rather shrieked these words, wringing my hands the while, my child fell upon my neck, sobbing, and chid me for murmuring against the Lord, seeing that even she, a weak and frail woman, had never doubted his mercy, so that with shame and repentance I presently came to myself, and humbled myself before the Lord for such heavy sin. Meanwhile, the maid had run into the village with loud cries to see if she could get anything for her poor young mistress, but the people had already eaten their noontide meal, and most of them were gone to sea to seek their blessed supper. Thus she could find nothing, seeing that old wife Sedan, who alone had any victuals, would give her none, although she prayed her by Jesus' wounds. She was telling us this when we heard a noise in the chamber, and presently Lizzie, her worthily old husband, who had got in at the window by stealth, brought us a pot of good broth, which he had taken off the fire whilst his wife was gone for a moment into the garden. He well knew that his wife would make him pay for it, but that he did not mind. So the young mistress would but drink it, and she would find it salted and all. He would make haste out of the window again, and see that he got home before his wife, that she might not find out where he had been. But my daughter would not touch the broth, which sorely vexed him, so that he set it down on the ground cursing and ran out of the room. It was not long before his squint-eyed wife came in at the front door. When she saw the pot still steaming on the ground, she cried out, Thou thief! thou cursed thieving carcass, and would have flown at the face of my maid. But I threatened her, and told her all that had happened, and that if she would not believe me, she might go into the chamber and look out of the window, whence she might still, be like, see her good man running home. This she did, and presently we heard her calling after him, Wait, and the devil shall tear off thine arms, only wait till thou art home again. After this she came back, and, muttering something, took the pot off the ground. I begged her for the love of God to spare a little to my child, but she mocked me and said, You could preach to her as you did to me, and walked towards the door with the pot. My child indeed besought me to let her go, but I could not help calling after her, For the love of God, one good sup, or my poor child must give up the ghost. Wilt thou that at the day of judgment God should have mercy on thee? So show mercy this day to me and mine. But she scoffed at us again and cried out, Let her cook herself some bacon and went out at the door. I then sent the maid after her with the hourglass which stood before me on the table, to offer it to her for a good sup out of the pot, but the maid brought it back, saying that she would not have it. 
alas how i wept and sobbed as my poor dying child with a loud sigh buried her head again in the moss yet the merciful god was more gracious to me than my unbelief had deserved for when the hard-hearted woman bestowed a little broth on her neighbor old posh he presently brought it to my child having heard from the maid how it stood with her and i believe that this broth under god alone saved her life for she raised her head as soon as she had supped it and was able to go about the house again in an hour may god reward the good fellow for it thus i had some joy in the midst of my trouble but while i sat by the fireside in the evening musing on my fate my grief again broke forth and i made up my mind to leave my house and even my cure and to wander through the wide world with my daughter as a beggar god knows i had cause enough for it for now that all my hopes were dashed seeing that my field was quite ruined and that the sheriff had become my bitter enemy moreover that it was five years since i had had a wedding item but two christenings during the past year i saw my own and my daughter's death staring me in the face and no prospect of better times at hand our want was increased by the great fears of the congregation for although by god's wondrous mercy they had already begun to take good draughts of fish broth in the sea and the octervater and many of the people in the other villages had already gotten bread salt oatmeal etc from the polters and quatzners of anklam and lasanne in exchange for their fish nevertheless they brought me nothing fearing lest it might be told at pudgla and make his lordship ungracious to them i therefore beckoned my daughter to me and told her what was in my thoughts saying that god in his mercy could any day bestow on me another cure if i was found worthy in his sight of such a favour seeing that these terrible days of pestilence and war had called away many of the servants of his word and that i had not fled like a hireling from his flock but on the contrary till datum shared sorrow and death with it whether she were able to walk five or ten miles a day for that then we would beg our way to hamburg to my departed wife her step-brother martin baring who is a great merchant in that city this at first sounded strange to her seeing that she had very seldom been out of our parish and that her departed mother and her little brother lay in our churchyard she asked who was to make up their graves and plant flowers on them item as the lord had given her a smooth face what should i do if in these wild and cruel times she were attacked on the highways by marauding soldiers or other villains seeing that i was a weak old man and unable to defend her item wherewithal should we shield ourselves from the frost as the winter was setting in and the enemy had robbed us of our clothes so that we had scarce enough left to cover our nakedness all this i had not considered and was forced to own that she was right so after much discussion we determined to leave it this night to the lord and to do whatever he should put into our hearts next morning at any rate we saw that we could in no wise keep the old maid any longer i therefore called her out of the kitchen and told her she had better go early next morning to lipa as there was still food there whereas here she must starve seeing that perhaps we ourselves might leave the parish and the country to-morrow i thanked her for the love and faith she had shown us and begged her at last amid the loud sobs of my poor daughter to depart forthwith privately and not to make our hearts still heavier by leave-taking that old posh was going a-fishing to-night on the octervater as he had told me and no doubt would readily set her on shore at grusov where she had friends and could eat her fill even to-day she could not say a word for weeping but when she saw that i was really in earnest she went out of the room not long after we heard the house door shut to whereupon my daughter moaned 
she is gone already, and ran straight to the window to look after her. Yes, cried she as she saw her through the little panes. She is really gone. And she wrung her hands and would not be comforted. At last, however, she was quieted when I spoke of the maid Hagar, whom Abraham had likewise cast off, but on whom the Lord had nevertheless shown mercy in the wilderness, and hereupon we commended ourselves to the Lord, and stretched ourselves on our couches of moss. End of section 3